Good morning. Hi, Jake. Hey, if you guys uh, haven't had a chance to meet me, my name is Tyler. I am the family pastor here. Uh, and uh, if you're watching online, we just want to say welcome. We're glad that you guys are here. We're, I'm glad you guys are here too, but we're just going to talk to them real quick. If you're sitting here and you're going, man, I, I want a sign. Like, God, am I supposed to like, come be a part of this church? Um, I want to say, here's your sign. We would love for you to come be a part of this. Um, only a few of us are kind of weird. Uh, Okay, most of us. But we'd love for you to be a part of, of our community. Uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here um, and uh, a part of this. I do uh, have to give a few warnings for this message. Um, the, the first one, uh, I, we just got back last weekend. We were at uh, uh, Trout Lake Camp for our winter retreat. Who was on that trip? Yeah. Uh, we took 63 students and leaders. Uh, and we partnered up with two other churches. And we challenged the students to not only know the gospel, but to live out the gospel and to proclaim the gospel. And uh, I'm just super excited uh, because we saw God move in some incredible ways. Um, and I just, I'm blown away uh, as we think about just what God did last weekend. Uh, there was a student uh, who has kind of walked through some difficult things in the last few months. And uh, kind of we've been there, we've walked through with her. Um, and she, on Saturday night, was just praying and going, God, who's that one person that you want me to pray for? And she said, it was loud and clear. God was like, why just one? Why just one? And so she went around, uh, even though uh, walking through her own things and her own difficulties, walked around and, and just was asking students, hey, can I pray for you? Can I, can I pray for you? And, and taking time to pray uh, and to be a vessel that God had. And I, I was so proud when she told me that story. There was another student who oftentimes is maybe the student that uh, gets some of the attention because of the difficult things in his life. And he said, as I was driving him home, uh, he said, man, I, I just felt like God was, had me here on this trip this weekend to be a blessing to other people, to pray for other people, to be there and to help other people. And so uh, I share these things with you to, uh, to put you on notice uh, because, man, I'm so proud of the, the students here at this church. And I think that they're, they're actively going, man, I, I want to live out. I want to live for Jesus. I want to I set the tone. And so uh, I sent a, a text message in our group chat to the, some of the high schoolers. And I said, I believe that you guys are setting the tone for this church. Uh, and I'm so excited to see what God is going to do through them and in them. And my hope and my prayer is that uh, we as a church can experience God uh, and we can encounter Jesus in the same way that we did uh, last weekend because we have a God that wants to to encounter us, that wants to, to be here uh, with us. And so uh, I'm fired up, uh, and uh, like I said, I want you guys to encounter, to know God, to know that he loves you, to know that, that he wants to empower us to be the church, to live out our faith. Uh, but the other warning is this, is you might not like this message. That's, that's not really what you uh, like to hear all the time in, uh, in the church. Like, hey, just so you know, this might suck for you, Okay. Because uh, I, I really wrestled with, with this message. I really wrestled with, okay, God, like, is this what you have? Is this what, what you want me to share? Uh, what exactly? How does this, this look? And so um, I, I really wrestled because I believe that this is what God has uh, for us. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a message. So uh, let's, 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 uh, let's start, hey? All right? Uh, we're in a series called What If There's More? What if there's more? And the, the topic that I want to talk about here this morning is, what if there's more to my life? What if there's more to my life? What if there's more to this Christian walk? Uh, sure, I might call myself a Christian, but what does that mean? What does it look like? How do I live that out? Uh, what happens, especially when I don't feel it? 
when I don't, I don't necessarily feel it? What if there's more to this life? And so would you pray with me? And then let's dive into to God's word. God, I thank you that you know us, that you love us, and you've called us to something greater than ourselves, to something more. God, I pray uh, that, that these would be your words and not mine because your words uh, are way better. And so, God, I, I want to be your vessel. I want to be empowered by you. And so, God, use me to speak to this church, to speak to, uh, to encourage, but also to challenge so that we can draw closer to you and so that we can live an empowered life for you, God. So, God, be with us. Be in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Uh, God, we expect you in this place to move. God, we pray this in your name. And all God's people said, and the devil said, I love that. Uh, if you're new here and you're like, what the heck, is this a cult? Um, uh, the, in the student ministry, when we pray, we say, and all God's people said, and we say, amen. And then we say, and the devil said, bummer, dude. Because when God's people pray, the devil says, bummer, dude. Uh, because he doesn't like it. So if you ever want to join us in that, you, you're more than welcome to do it. They get mad at me when I don't do it when I preach. Uh, so I had, I had to do that for them. But uh, I want to ask you a question here this morning. Uh, and the question is this. When are we done? Not like with the message. That, like, but when are we done? At what point have, have we made it? At what point have we, we reached the pinnacle of life? At which point have we reached the pinnacle of our faith? When have we made it? Because I think oftentimes we, we look at life through this cultural lens and, and we allow so much of, of our culture to affect how we look at things and, and think about things and whether it's like retirement or, or whatever. And so we're always thinking about that question, like when are we done? At what point have we reached it? And I think deep down it, it's rooted in this desire, this desire that we all have to live a life of significance. Or, or we might think success. If I, if I just have, if I'm successful, if I, have, if I have stuff, or we think that when I make it to retirement, then, then, then I've made it. Or when I reach this certain income bracket, then I've made it. But I want to make the argument that, that oftentimes maybe we're thinking that we want success, but in reality, what we really want, what we really need is significance. We want to live a life of significance, to know that our life mattered. We want to be part of something greater than ourselves. We are in the middle of the NFL playoffs right now. And last weekend, Tom Brady led his team again to the playoffs. Uh, they, they ultimately lost, but Tom Brady is one of the most decorated, successful NFL players of all time. He has more Super Bowls than most franchises have. Uh, he, at the time, was married to a supermodel. Uh, he made a ton of money, had a ton of endorsement deals. And many people would look at Tom Brady's life and say, that is successful. He is successful. He has made it. Even though success oftentimes is subjective and, and we, we, like, we determine, everybody determines differently what success is. And so we would look at Tom Brady's life and we'd say, man, he, he's successful. But I want to show you this clip. And this, it's from 2005. And it's right after the New England Patriots won their third Super Bowl. And, and Tom Brady was asking these questions about life. He was asking these what if there's more questions. And so let's roll that. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean... Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. 
I mean, it's, I think that's part of me trying to go out and experience other things. But there's a, I know, I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find and different ways of expression, being around. I know what ultimately makes me happy are family and friends and positive relationships with, with great people. And I think I get more out of that than anything. I find it ironic <laughs> that from his lips, even though it wasn't what he meant, but from his lips, he, he had the answer. Did you hear it? He said, he said, God, there's got to be more than this. And he was using the Lord's name in vain. But actually, written on his, on his heart, I think deep down, like it, it's there. There's got to be more to this. What is it? I, I wish I knew. And I'm like, it's Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is that, that, that Tom, he would, he would encounter Jesus, that he would know and lo the love of the Father and all this searching that he's doing and, and, and desire he wants to find significance, that he would find it in, in Jesus. But the reason, the reason that I share this video, the reason that I share this is because I think often this trap or this idea of like, I got to look for success, I got to find success, I got I to I find a way to accomplish this, um, this, to find success over significance, oftentimes that this trap actually can work its way into the, our Christian life. That we can actually, it can leave us asking the question, man, what, what if there's more? What if there's more to our faith? And, and, and if we don't approach this biblically, if we don't look at this or, or seek out people, wise people in our life that point us back to Jesus, it, it, it could be so frustrating. It can be so frustrating in our life, and we wonder if we're living in a generation where people are walking away from the church at rates that are unsustainable. And I remember a few years ago, I was sitting, uh, it was before youth group, and a sophomore at the time said, hey, can we, can we meet, can we talk in your office? And we sat down, and he said, Tyler, listen, I, I, I've been a Christian basically my whole life. I've done the, the church thing, I've done the camp things, and sometimes I just feel like there's something missing. Like there, there, there has to be more. And the scary thing is, is not only, I don't think he's the only one that is experiencing this. I think oftentimes there's so many people walking into this church, walking into churches and, and, and going, man, is, is there more? And either, either they're, they're going, they're on a search and on a journey or they're walking away from the church. They're walking away because they're thinking the same thing. There's got to be more. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the, 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 the life and the call of Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 6. And my hope and my prayer and my challenge and my encouragement to us is that as we go through these, right, as we look at these stages, we ask the question, where am I? Where am I in these stages of faith? But also, I don't want us to miss this, okay? I don't want us to miss the fact that oftentimes we can think that our faith journey or our life is this linear path that we just kind of just, just go along and it's, it's this linear thing. And I think actually our, our faith journey is often cyclical, that we go through these cycles, these growth patterns, these, these, these moments in our faith that's cyclical as we go through it and we encounter God and we're transformed by God and we're empowered by God. And so, so just please don't like think that, okay, I, I had this one moment at church camp and then all of a sudden my life is just this linear path all the way through as we talk about these stages of faith. But we're going to look in, we're going to dive into God's word in Isaiah chapter 6 and we're going to look at the calling and the faith journey of Isaiah. Starting in verse 1, it was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending to him were mighty seraphim, each had six wings. 
With two wings they covered their faces, two wings they covered their feet, and with two wings they flew. And they called out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to the foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. That wasn't a smoke machine. Then they said, it is all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it. And he said, see, the coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. And he said, yes, go. And say to the people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn Nothing. The first stage of our faith, the first stage that we all have to walk through as followers of Jesus is this awakening stage. We need to realize, we need to become aware of God's presence. This stage is something that all of us, again, all of us as Christians, we have to walk through. And maybe we call it our salvation moment. Maybe we call it our aha moment. But whatever we call it, it's that moment where we become aware of the presence of God. We become aware of Jesus. Isaiah, he had this moment. This moment, it says here, right here again in verse 1, it was the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. And he was sitting on a lofty throne. And the angels around him were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It says that the temple grounds shook and that it was, the temple was filled with smoke. Talk about a moment. A moment. Isaiah, he, he became fully aware of, that God was in the room. Have you had those moments? That moment, where you, that, that, that moment where you're like, God is real. He is here. He is in this moment. I remember when I had that moment, when I was truly aware of God's presence in my life, that he wanted to be in relationship with me. I had grown up in the church. I knew all the right answers. I knew all of the things. Or at least I thought so. But I didn't know him. Because I was broken. But yet I was really good at hiding it. I was dealing with shame. I was dealing with anger. And, and, and listen, I, I believed in God. I believed in my head. I believed in God. I just believed that he didn't want anything to do with me because of my sin, because of my brokenness, because I was dirty. I was damaged goods. But then I was sitting at this conference, and the pastor in the room was like, hey, somebody in this room needs to hear this. God knows you, and he loves you. And it was in that moment I realized that he knew all of my sin. He knew all of the things that I was hiding. And yet he still went to the cross for me. He still pursued me. He still was there. Now, I, I didn't have angels singing, holy, holy, holy. There wasn't a smoke. Well, maybe there was a smoke machine. But the room wasn't necessarily filled with smoke. Uh, but I was fully aware. I was fully aware that I was standing on holy ground. That I had come into the presence of God. That Jesus was there. And it wasn't that Jesus wasn't already there. Because he was. I just became awoken. Awoken? Woken up to? The fact that he was there. That he was there. He was present. The realization that he was right there. John 17.3 says this. And this is the way to have eternal life. Okay, we, we lean in, we take notice and go, okay, this is the way. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. This word to know means to become aware of, 
to know of, to become fully cognizant of what is going on. And I don't want to go too far into this, but in, in Jewish times, the, the idea of to know was an idiom for sexual intercourse. And so what it's saying here is not just knowing about God or having a knowledge of God, but it's this intimate, personal connection, this intimacy that we have with God that moves us, that we need to be awakened to. We need to, to be, become aware of. It's not just a knowledge. And, and think about your story. Think about that, that moment, that moment where you came to first realize the presence of God was around you, that, that, that you were in this place of going, man, God is real, and he is here, and he wants to be in relationship with me. Maybe that moment was at camp. Maybe it was at youth group. Maybe it was at a Billy Graham crusade, or maybe it was somewhere that you never expected. Maybe it was sitting in a coffee shop across from somebody that was sharing the gospel with you, and you went, oh, God is real, and he's here, and he's present. And that moment when we realize that God is, is here and he's real and he's present, it is life-changing. It is life-altering. But also it's so important that we understand that God has more for us. That, that we shouldn't just stay in that stage of chasing, chasing after the experience. And while it's, it's powerful and life-changing, if we just stay in there in that moment of just chasing experiences, I want to just chase that feeling. Oh, next time I go to camp, then I'll have that, that experience again. Next time I, I listen, you know, whatever, I'll have that experience again. But actually what God wants, he's, he wants more for us. He wants, he wants to, he's chasing after us. He wants us to experience him so that he can begin to transform us. He puts his Holy Spirit inside of us so that we can constantly be in communion with him, that we can constantly be in connection with him, and so we can constantly know his presence and be aware of him so that he can begin to transform us, to change us into his presence, which leads us into the second stage, and that is transformation. When we encounter Jesus, he begins to transform us because when we come into the presence of the holy God, we realize who we are, how 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 short we fall of his glory. We're aware of our sin. Look at what Isaiah says. It says, then I said, it's all over. I am doomed. For I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's army. Isaiah is like, oh no. Because he's overtaken by his holiness. Because God is a holy God. He is perfect. There is no sin in him. And our sin, it separates us from God. But listen to what God does. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips. And he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. He comes to Isaiah, he takes the coal, he touches his lips, and he says, you're forgiven. Just like in our life, he comes to us and he says, I'm taking your sins, I'm removing them. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, I have taken these things from you. I've set you free from the bondage and the power of sin so that you can walk in obedience. And he begins to transform our hearts, our passions, our desires. He begins to transform our life to be shaped into his image into what we are called to be transformed to look more like Jesus. There is a lie in the church that has weaseled its way in is that, that God's purpose is to come in and just give us our best life now. We are not called to be transformed into better versions of ourselves. We are called to be transformed to look like Jesus. 
I don't want to look like the best version of myself, although I do believe that in Christ, when I seek to be like Christ, that I become the best version of myself. But the goal is to not become the better version of ourselves. Our goal is to become transformed like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's the point. This is the part of the the message where I said you weren't maybe going to like it. Romans 12, 1 says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I plead with you. I beseech you. Like, hey, hey guys, listen. Give your bodies to God because of all that he has done. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way that we worship him. As we surrender, as we say, God, God, you can transform me. You can turn me into whatever it is that you want. Oftentimes, I think we, we wrestle with this question. Like, like, man, would you die for Jesus? And people are like, yeah, I'd die for Jesus. I'd die for Jesus. But he's not asking us to die for him. He's asking us to live for him. That's harder. Dying for Jesus is like, if you have a relationship with Jesus and he says, would you die for him? you be like, yeah, because boom, I get to go be with him. But it's even harder. He's saying, would you be a living and a holy sacrifice? A living sacrifice is kind of an oxymoron, right? Because the sacrifice means something had to die. And what is actually dying is our old self. And he's saying, man, would you live for me? Would you be a living and holy sacrifice? How? It says, do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It says, let God transform you. We partner with God as the Holy Spirit is in us by surrendering our ways, surrendering our ideas, surrendering our desires, and allowing him to change us every single day, change the way that we think. And when he changes the way that we think, it changes the way that we act. By the renewing of our mind. It's not my mind anymore. It's the mind of Christ. I want the mind of Christ. And every day Jesus takes that refining coal. And he finds those areas in our life. And he says, that's not like my son. And he goes and he burns them off. And that's a painful experience. That's an experience that oftentimes we don't necessarily always want to go through. Or, or maybe we're fine going through it with like that big thing. Like, God, I, I give you this. Uh, take away this lust problem that I have. Or, God, take away this anger problem that I have or, or whatever it is. But maybe sometimes there's deeper things that we're going, ah, I'm not ready to give that to God. And he's going, no, come, I want to transform you. And when we look in the mirror, oftentimes he, we look in the mirror and he goes, hey, what do you see? And if we say, man, I see myself, he goes, I'm not done yet then. Because you need to, when, when you look into the mirror, I want people to see Jesus. And so he transforms us, and he shapes us into his image. And guys, sometimes these sanctifying moments, these moments that we go through, these hard, difficult things, it can often feel like God is the quietest, but actually usually when God is the quietest is when he's working the most in our hearts and in our lives. That he's moving us, that he's shaping us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and this is often the stage that we can get stuck in in the church. This is the place where we can get stuck in because we, we have this encounter with Jesus. We have this moment where we're like, wow, Jesus is real and, he, and he's there. And it's this, this camp, camp moment and he, he begins to change a few things in our life. And then we get to this place where we can start to go, go man, I, I'm feeling really good, right? 
Because I, we can kind of control some of this, this process of, of like, I'm learning to not do that. I'm learning to do this. I'm, I'm spending time in my Bible uh, and all of these things. And if we get to this place where if we've been following Jesus for a, a long time, we can really come to this place where we go, man, I, 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 I say all the right things. I know what to do. I, I don't do those things anymore. I maybe found freedom from some of my old sins. And we can start to think, Phew, man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing okay. I had that one moment where I experienced Jesus, I encountered Jesus at camp, and, and now I've started to do these things. And I, I, my fear is that we can get lulled to sleep, thinking, wow, I've made it. That I've made it. And that maybe we've narrowed down our Christian life into this one-time encounter that I had at Christian camp, at Jesus camp. And, and I did all of these things to appease God, but my faith, it lacks power. And then we sit here and go, man, there's, there's got to be something more. Is there more? What if, what if there's more, but we've been lulled to sleep and, and, and thinking that it's just like, like hey, we're just going to get to a place where it's comfortable, where I feel pretty good about my faith, where I'm doing okay, I'm doing pretty good. And when people walk into the church, they go, how are you doing? And be like, living the dream. But deep down we're going, there's got to be something more. There's, there's got to be more. And I fear that maybe for the love of comfort or the fear of the unknown or, or, or the, the, the desire to have ourselves be on the throne of our own life, we've become like the people that Paul warns Timothy about in 2 Timothy. It says this. It says this in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Hmm, this is encouraging. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. They will have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. And you go, yeah, that sounds like the world. That sounds like everybody out there. But then it goes on, and it says this, and this should haunt us. They will act religious, but they will reject the power to, that can make them godly. Stay away from those people. I think, I think Paul is warning Timothy about people in the church. He says they will, they will act religious. I don't know about, I don't know about you guys. I don't, I don't want to act religious. I want to encounter the true living God. I want to know him, and I, I want him to transform me and, and move in my heart. I don't, I don't want to act religious. I want to be transformed for a purpose. And the purpose, listen, thank God that the purpose of all the things that we walk through, the difficult moments, that refining moment, that transformation moment, thank God that it's not wasted because he wants to take us, he wants to transform us, he wants us to encounter him, to transform us so that he can empower us. And we sit here and go, is there more? Yes, there's more. And it's on the other side of surrendering to Jesus and going, man, like God, whatever it is, whatever it is that you want to do, you can take it. You can chisel it away. You can transform me so that I can live for you because we are called to live for something greater than ourselves. The purpose of the Christian life is not to give you the best life now. It's to make you like Jesus. So that you can live like Jesus in a world and in a generation that needs to see Jesus. 
And so stage one is awakening, being awakened to the power and the presence of God. Number two is to be transformed, to allow him to move in us, to shape us into his image, to look like Jesus, to not act religious, but to be transformed so that we can step into the third stage of being empowered. Being empowered. Guys, if we just stay in the transforming stage and we just, we just start like hanging out there, we will never experience the calling and the significance that God has intended for us. And, and, and thank goodness that there's a next stage beyond the difficult, uh, the refining moments that he has. Because if, my, if I was going through all the, the, this refining moment and God is changing me and shaping me into his image just because, man, that would be really difficult. But it's because he has something more for us. He wants to empower us. He wants to send us. He wants, wants us to go out and live for him. As followers of Jesus, we are called to more. Isaiah 6, verse 8, it says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send? As a messenger to these people, who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to these people. Here I am, Lord, send me. God is asking, who, who am I going to send? Who is it that I'm going to send? Who will go and speak for me? And Isaiah says, here I am. Jesus encountered you and me. He transformed us and he's chiseling away those things not to, be the, like, to live our best life but so that we can live for him and so we can answer the question, here I am, Lord, send me. You already have my yes. And this is huge, okay? Because if we get stuck in one and we're just chasing after experiences or, or we get stuck and we're constantly acting like to seek to like, live religiously and make ourselves better or create more comfort in ourselves, we will never step into the calling and the empowering that God has for us. God cleansed Isaiah's lips, not so that he could just have cleansed lips. He cleansed his lips so he can go out and speak for him. And so sometimes your story and the things that you're not proud of, those moments that you're not proud of, you can actually take and begin to use for the glory of God. And you can say, man, this is who I used to be, but this is who I am now. And that same thing can happen to you. I, I tell the students this all the time. You guys were not just saved from something, but you're saved for something. And yet so much, so often in the church we get comfortable just hanging out in stage one or stage two and we forget that we're called to something more. That our life is not our own. That if we know Jesus, that we've been empowered, we encounter Jesus, he puts his spirit inside of us and he changes us from the inside out. Galatians 2.20, it says, my old self, the old me, has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When have we made it as Christians? When are we done? Never. We don't graduate from our faith. We sure as heck don't retire. We are called. We don't just sit around and say, man, I put my time in. I, I, I did it. I put my time in. I, I served in youth ministry. I served in kids ministry. Or I served as a greeter. Like I put my time in and now I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to coast. We're never done. And we're next, next week we're asking the question, okay, what if there's more to sharing my faith? And Pastor Brent's going to talk about sharing our faith. But what if, what if we actually went out empowered to share the gospel, to share the love of Jesus and the hope that we have in Christ with, with other people? What if we lived empowered to pour into the next generation, to ri raise them up and say, man, here is the presence of God. He wants to transform you and he wants to use you. What if we lived empowered to love our neighbor? What if we lived empowered to, to pray for our enemies? I know what would happen. 
because we have a big God. And when we step out and when we live empowered lives, he begins to conform us into the image of Christ, to look more like Jesus, to be empowered. And God wants to use you and me, the church, to change the world. Um, I think oftentimes it can be really easy to, to sit here and, and go, like, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Or maybe we're sitting here and I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe you're in a place where you're like, I just, I just don't feel like I know what, what God is empowering me to. Like, if God, okay, yeah, I, I've encountered Jesus. That's awesome. Uh, I, I've been transformed. He's done some things in me. But I just feel like, man, like, like maybe I'm just not being fed. I don't, I don't know where this happened in the church. I, I don't know where we got this idea that, that maturity, maturity of our faith is just knowledge. I'm not knocking knowledge. I think it's important that we need to be in the Bible. You need, to, you need to sign up for the foundations class. Maybe that's the next step for you to like learn more about the Bible, to grow in your faith. I'm not knocking it. But also I want us to hear this. I want us to understand that, that maturity in faith is not just gaining more knowledge of God. It's, it's also it's encountering him, allowing him to transform us. And if we think, we sit here and we think, man, I, I, if I just gain more knowledge, if I just know more things, and I, I know how to answer that, that one question, this person, I can, I can, I can clap back at this person for, for this thing that they're doing in their life or whatever, and we think that I, I just need more knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge. What happens is we just become fat sheep. And we're just so proud of ourselves as we waddle after the shepherd. Again, knowledge isn't bad. But do we have a knowledge of him? Do we know him? Do we know him? Are we intimately aware of his presence? That he wants to change us. He wants to transform us. And he wants to use us. If you're sitting here going, man, like, like ah, I just don't feel like I'm fed. I need, I need more or whatever. I think oftentimes there's many people in the church that are sitting here and they're going, I, just, I, don't, I don't feel fed. I don't, I don't feel like I'm being fed. And maybe it's not that you're not being fed. Maybe it's that the food is on the table and you just don't like the meal. God is calling you to lay down that one thing and you're like, God, not that. Anything but that. We often tell our kids when we're sitting at dinner and they don't like it. And they say, we're not running a restaurant. This is the house of God. He's not running a restaurant. He's looking at you and going, hey, this right here, this is that thing. And I don't, I don't know what that thing is because you, you're living a different life than I'm living. And there are things in my life right now that God is like, hey, th there's this thing, this thing right here. This thing is the thing that is holding you back from the calling that I have in your life. And so I'm going to chisel it away. I want you to lay it down to come so I, I can empower you to go out and live. You know what that thing is. I don't need to stand up here and, and list off a ton of examples of what that is. Right now, the Holy Spirit is putting that on your heart and saying, this is that thing. This is that thing. That meal that you don't want to eat. And maybe, just maybe, it's time to eat the broccoli. You can put a little cheese on it. It's okay. But God has gone, man, I want to empower you. And again, listen, okay, it's not, it's not linear. We, this life, this faith journey that we walk through, is, it's cyclical. 
And we need to go. We, need, we constantly need to be awoken or awakened or whatever the word is to the presence of God in our life. We constantly need to encounter him, his goodness and his mercy and his justice and in the fact that he's a good father. And we can do that as we come together here in this church, as we seek to, to know him, to grow in him. We constantly need to be transformed into the image of Christ, and we're never done allowing Christ to do his work in us. We're never done. We've never made it. We're never complete. He's constantly, even if you've been following Jesus like your entire life, he is still working on our hearts. He's still growing. That's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is not just a one-time thing. It's constant, and it's constantly bringing us to look more like him. And we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be empowered to be vessels of God's love and his truth. God is saying, whom shall I send? Is our response, here I am, send me? I phrased this question earlier. What if there's more to my life? And the answer is yes. There is more. But it's not a what, it's a who. And it's not you. What if there's more to my life? There is, and it's Jesus. More in our life is being awakened to Jesus in our life, allowing him to transform us, to empower us as messengers. And so church, where are you? Where am I? Where are we? Do we need to encounter the presence of God? I would encourage you that during worship is to just spend time going, Jesus, Jesus, where are you? And he'll show up. Or maybe you need to come down at the end of service to pray with some people on our prayer team. Maybe you're, you're, you've been living this life kind of stuck, doing the whole religious thing. Maybe you need to go, man, God, I'm, I'm ready to give you that, that, that thing whatever that thing is that you can take so that I can live empowered. And maybe you've been living the empowered life and that's awesome and I'm so glad that you're doing that. But also remember that you need to continually go back to the well, to go back to the Father, to encounter Jesus as you pour out, come and be filled up and then pour out and then be filled up and then pour out because it's cyclical. But God wants to empower us. He wants to use us. So often we, we, we look at it and we go, man, I, I wanna see God change the world. And the way that God has decided that he's going to change the world is through his church. I don't know why. He probably could have figured out a better way, but he chose us. As we say, yes, I want to encounter Jesus. I want to go through stage one. I'm going to allow him to transform me, to shape me, to be ready for whatever it is that he's going to empower me to. And then I'm going to step out in obedience. And I'm going to obey. I'm going to, whatever it is, whatever that thing is that he's calling me to, I'm going to say, yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send me. And he's saying, would you, would you encounter would you let me transform you so you can be empowered to live out the gospel, live out your faith? That's how God's going to change the world. That's how we can live this life and go, man, there is, is there more? There is more. It starts by saying, it's not about me. It's about you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. Our old self has been crucified with you and it's no longer us who live, but, but we who live in you. God, I pray that we are a church. We are a, a group of people, a body of believers that say whatever it is, whatever it takes, God, here I am, Lord, send me. And that we would live out our faith, that we would live out whatever it is, God, in this room right now, whatever those things are that you are calling uh, us to individually and corporately, God, I pray that we would be faithful in stepping out in obedience. 
Holy Spirit, would you touch, would you do what only you can do? And would you shape our hearts, shape our lives, God, because we want to see revival. We want to encounter you. We want lives changed. We want the city of Brooklyn Park and the state of Minnesota and the United States to be changed through the gospel. God, we want to partner with you. We want more. We pray this in your name.